Thank you for joining this episode of Sybil Service. I have one of the most thrilling guests coming on today and I can't actually believe she's coming into the studio. I'm quivering with excitement. We will be discussing her contributions to philosophy, to mathematics and geometry, as well as discussing the turbulent period between the cosmopolitan state of the Jews, the pagans and the Christians, and gaining her insight into this turbulent period in Alexandria. Then we touch on her murder and the consequences of its brutality. Enjoy! Erotism between men certainly boosts the fighting spirit. savage, sassy and sanctimonious. This is a male statue. Why is he a victim? Why is he in pain? Why is he in agony? Forgery is the most fun an architect can have without smashing up marble. We must either conquer or die with glory. So this is a really intelligent and passionate woman called Hypatia. She was born around 355 AD in Alexandria, Egypt. She was the daughter of Theon, who taught mathematics at the University of Alexandria. She is actually relatively well documented by the standards of ancient history, which only highlights how extraordinary she was. So the documents, the sources we have are as follows. We have the letters of Cineus, who was a bishop in 370 AD, and he was he studied Hypatia, and he was one of the most adoring pupils of her. And then we have the Life of Isidorus by Damascius, uh, also one of the last Neoplatonists, and he was a pagan philosopher and the last head of school of Athens before Emperor Justinian closed it, because pagan was about to get boycotted. And then we have the Chronicle of John, Bishop of Nikui, which I'm not going to read out to Hypatia because he's not very nice about her. Uh, so there were some pretty clear facts from these sources. Like, m like most educated women, she was able to study because she was daughter of a learned man. She was not only Alexandra's preeminent mathematician, but she was also the first female leading mathematician in the world up to this date. She made discoveries and innovations of the method of long division. Doesn't sound like much, but at the time, before electronic calculators, the actual business of doing sums was immensely arduous. Uh, any improvement or inefficiency was extremely welcome. I don't know how to, to count anymore, which is depressing because of calculators. I mean, I can count, but I can't add things up. Anyway, so sadly, this, this incredible woman was murdered by a group of early Christians. So we, we've got her back from the grave. We're going to interview her. She's walking into the studio right now. She's fashioning a necklace of emerald crystals, which complements the orange of her dress and her pearl earrings. She's elegant, but she sort of has a melancholy look about her. Hello, Sophie. Thanks for coming in. I know it was a long journey from Egypt. It was. Yeah. So I want to ask you, how did you become the first female mathematician? The city was one of the greatest places to learn in the world. There is no doubt that this contributed to my success during my life. During my childhood, I was taught mathematics, astronomy and philosophy by my father. My father didn't believe in raising his daughter in the traditional role of the, of the time. So he raised me as he would a son by teaching me his trade. 
So this is how my love for mathematics and science started to develop. By the time I was 20 years old, I was a professor of philosophy, science and mathematics at the University of Alexandria, where I worked with my father. Alexandria at the time was in decline because the library had been burnt repeatedly. It was essential to restore excellence. Well, you certainly restored that excellence. So not to boost your ego or anything, but the Christian historian Socrates of Constantinople makes this description about you, which I think you, I think you deserve to hear it considering mm-hmm. you got murdered so brutally. He said this, She made such attainments in literature and science as far as to surpass all of the philosophers of her time. Having succeeded in the school of Plato, she explained the principles of philosophy to her own auditors, many of whom came from a distance to receive her instructions on account of her ease of manner, which she had acquired of the cultivation of her mind on account of extraordinary dignity and virtue. People admired her the more in addition to being an astounding teacher. Socrates of Constantinople was a Christian scholar, if my memory serves me correctly. Well, these words do greatly flatter me, but I am baffled to hear such words from a Christian. You know, I am eventually murdered by Christians. I know you're murdered by Christians. It was horrific, and I'm so keen to explore that later. And I'm quite keen to give those Christians a piece of my mind, to be honest. I think it's just a classic case of a casual mix of jealousy and intimidation of an intelligent woman at that time, which, you know, explains a lot of history, to be honest. So, yeah, he was a Christie, your your memory does serve you correctly. But he actually criticised the role played by the church in your murder and castigates Bishop Cyril for his complicity in it. And, you know, Socrates of Constantinople was writing 25 years after your murder and he had access to church records and eyewitness accounts. So most historians feel that his source provides a balance and thorough view. He recognises my success in the School of Plato. So I really appreciate his historiography greatly. What, why were you particularly passionate about the writings of Plato and Aristotle? Plato's Republic contains the first scripture of advocating gender equality. He believed that women and men should receive the same education and training. Aristotle asked how the mind is related to the body and how its various powers and activities are related to one another and to bodily events and states. He demonstrated how physical facts are connected with psychological activities. For example, anger. Behavior may include banging a table. Visible bodily signs of this emotion going red. Oh, yes, blushing. It's a factor was so fond of philosophy, I would stop in the street and explain to anyone who asked difficult points on Plato and Aristotle. Platonism contains philosophy that promotes peace. I enjoyed teaching, reading, writing and studying in these spiritual beliefs that were practical for humanity. Absolutely. I, I love Plato's Republic. It is a bit dodgy that he says as soon as a woman gives birth that the baby gets taken away from the woman. So, you know, he had some really interesting ideas in order that women could receive the same education. So the main thing that's striking me here is that with this peaceful philosophy, you seem to me to be the last person that might excite the fury of a religious mob. Which just makes it all the more surprising that you end up getting murdered by Christians. Yes, 
But Neoplatonism was a pagan idea, which caused massive problems with the city of Alexandria, as conflicts arise between the Jewish Christian and pagan populations living in Alexandria. You know, 5th century Alexandria was a cosmopolitan city with a population of pagan Christians and Jews together. The civil governor of Alexandria was Orestes. He was a Christian who was nonetheless tolerant of non-Christian groups in the city. But the Archbishop of Alexandria, Cyril, was about as tolerant as Caesar crossing the Rubicon. He wanted all of Alexandria to be dominated by Christianity. I see, I see. Well, this actually explains a lot. So, I'd love to get into your absolutely savage murder later. But for now, I'd love to know, do you think that you gained the respect from your fellow male colleagues and other male authority figures during your time as a teacher? Well, not Cyril. I'll tell you that for free. But in general, I tended to shock people with my brilliance and often surpassed expectations in astronomy and geometry. I did not feel abashed in coming to an assembly of men or appearing in public in the presence of magistrate for all men because I was making advancements in the mathematics world like I edited the works on the conics of Apollonius dividing cones into different parts by using a plane. Honestly, it's unbelievable. Uh, I have quite a cheeky question for you. Do you think that you surpassed your father in academia? I was, by nature, of a more noble disposition than my father, and I was not content with the mathematical education that I received from my father's hand, although I greatly admire him. But perhaps my enthusiasm led me into the other branches of philosophy. Hypatia, I understand that you're trying to be humble, but ancient historians agree that your learning was so remarkable that it really surpassed all the other philosophers of our time. I mean, you explained the principles of philosophy to your listeners who came from a distance, came from Rome, who came from Persia, came from all over the Mediterranean to receive your instructions. So let's not beat around the bush here. I think you did surpass your father. You invented the astrolabe for other ship navigation and other devices which calculated the density of fluids. Yes, also don't forget the hydroscope, which is a device for measuring liquid. The list goes on. <laughs> your great inventions and contributions to mathematics and science were made you very popular among the elite. But you did indeed become friends with Orestes, the Roman governor of Egypt. Tell us about that friendship. Yes, he was uh, my friend. The Archbishop, Cyril, he was upset with his friendship. He thought that I'd beguiled many people, including Orestes, through my satanic wiles, because he honoured me exceedingly. He presumed that I was conducting witchcraft to stop him going to, from going to church, and that I was encouraging him in my pagan beliefs to lose his faith. But to my disgust, Orestes was encouraging the death of all Jews in the frenzy and hysteria. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because that's, so, that's in complete opposition to all of your philosophies. Which makes me wonder how you guys became friends. But, you know, that's um, perhaps of more private matter. So Orestes essentially ended up in a battle for the city of Alexandria. 
while the rest tried to promote tolerance. So Cyril stoked up resentments between the Christians and the Jews, which boiled into violence on both sides, and then he eventually marched on the synagogues, seizing them and expelling all the Jews. Is that correct? Exactly. Then there was a sort of standoff between Orestes, the governor of Alexandria, and Cyril. Cyril's loyalists accused him of being a secret pagan and arrested him. And among them, Nitrian monks came from the deserts and instigated a riot against Orestes among the population of Alexandria. Then, a man named Ammonius tried to murder Orestes by throwing a rock at his head. The rock didn't kill him, but it ripped the skin across his skull badly, and the blood poured freely from the wound. Orestes was cured and put Ammonius under torture in a public place. You know, it was a period of extremists and martyrs. Funnily enough, we're still experiencing that today. For example, there was a riot against the Capitol Hill today from the Republicans. So I guess the times, they aren't changing. Okay, so, so they came for you thinking that you corrupted Orestes purely because he was your friend. And because you characterised as an open pagan, as did many people at this time. And so they thought that you had stopped him from embracing true Christianity. Can you, if it doesn't upset you too much, would it be okay if you were to discuss your actual murder scene up until your death, obviously, because you don't know. I'll tell you what happened to your body, but (laughs) you were. I was pulled down from my carriage by a mob of Christians. Then I was dragged to a nearby church called the Caesarean. I was stripped naked and then the Christians beat me to death. I don't know that what happened to my body. Well, I can tell you that, sweetheart. They skinned you with roof tiles, then tore up your limbs and burnt your body. Before you get too upset, I'm just going to hit you with some knowledge. Skinned using an ostracon. I'm sure you'd heard of that before. That, that's where the word ostracism comes from, because it's an ostracon was a shard of pottery. And 5th century Athens, you and Alexandria, and everywhere around the Mediterranean, you would write the name of a person who you want to be booted out of the city, and for, you know, for being annoying or corrupt or like Ovid or someone just you know, causing havoc, and that is the word, and then that's where the word ostracism comes from. Anyway, back to your mangled limbs. They placed you in Kinaron and burnt you. But I'll tell you this, Hypatia, the affair brought a lot of shame upon the Alexandrian church. I mean, surely nothing can be further from the spirit of Christianity than this brutality on you. And once again, this is still happening today, where there's shame on the church for their previous power corruptions. Yes, fundamentalists are often self-delusional. I couldn't agree more. So, do you have any regrets? I mean, je ne regret rien, everything, but surely living in Alexandria during this incredibly turbulent time, do you ever wish you lived somewhere else, perhaps? No, not at all. I think anyone would want to live in Alexandria. It is the most extraordinary intellectual powerhouse. It was also a place of incredibly violent politics. And as the Christian church is at the time sort of splitting and reforming, um, different sorts of of factors, basically they they declared war on one another in a fairly small scale. 
but in an extremely violent way. Alexandria was a real hotspot for that to happen. Mm. Well, perhaps like Plato, your philosophical advancements increased during this turbulent time. I feel angry for you, for your brutal and unjustified murder. Thank you. you. Especially because you are a pagan, but you were so tolerant of teaching Christians and non-Christians. People came for it was obviously such a cosmopolitan place, and people came to you to learn from you, and you never blinked an eyelid against people of different religions. So I, I have to say, it does grind my gears. It is a brutal example of the struggles women faced in a world dominated by men. And the dangers of religious strife that end in bloodshed. Those were beautiful words and I couldn't agree more. So just to uh, ease your pain a bit after you've heard what happened to your body, I thought I might tell you what Damascus said about you writing a hundred years later. He said the following. She was not only well-versed in rhetoric, but she was as well wise in practical affairs and motivated by civic-mindedness. Thus, she came to be widely and deeply trusted throughout the city, accorded welcome and addressed with honour. How does that make you feel? Oh, well, I am flattered by these words mm. of praise. Well, scenarius of Cyrene. He actually wrote you a lot of letters, didn't he? If anything, he was a bit obsessed with you. He was. Yeah. Nowadays, you might get a restraining order on him. What is a restraining order? Basically, when a man or a woman, or of any gender, mm -hmm. comes obsessively towards you, and it sort of has an infatuation, and he just won't leave you alone. I think it's quite similar to oh, what... Oh, yes, I wish I had that <laughs> back in my time. Yeah, because he, you know, he said this, mother, sister, teacher, and benefactress, and whatsoever is honoured in name and deed, and the only good thing that remains involatile, along with virtue, you have power, M long may you have it, make good use of it, and there's plenty more where that comes from, he oh, wouldn't yeah. stop writing you letters, would he? Obsessive is the word. Yeah, he was very obsessive. Well anyway, Hypatia, I've learned so much, thank you so much well, for coming on that, thank on you, that long journey. You're so welcome, please come on civil service anytime. Erotism between men certainly boosts the fighting spirit. Savage, sassy, and sanctimonious. This is a male statue. Why is he a victim? Why is he in pain? Why is he in agony? Forgery is the most fun an architect can have without smashing up marble. We must either conquer or die with glory.